0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Eggman is intercepted by Sam Mills.
1: Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three! One, two, three!
2: welcome back to another episode of the roar brought to you by blue wire i am your host billy Marshall, and i am joined once again by my esteemed co-host mr one panther place or some of you like to call him mr john ellis john how are you i am good man it's game week let's get this party
1: rolling my friend we got a lot to talk about today
2: Man, I was just so excited to watch college football this weekend, uh, starting on, what was it, Thursday and the Ohio State Mm -hmm. game and Friday with the Virginia Tech-UNC. And then uh, yesterday was a fantastic game. So this is that was a really good tune-up for what we're going to see this upcoming week and then the next 17, 18 weeks, I guess. We have 18 weeks now of the NFL season.
1: It's great. It's a great time. I just love it. You're right. And that college football weekend was interesting. And obviously, I do work with the Clemson football uh, radio side. And that was a disappointing offensive effort. But then you saw some some great games throughout the weekend, including that game last night, which is uh, just some tremendous plays. All across the board and a great finish. Uh, unfortunately, Brian Kelly sort of overshadowed. <laughs> but uh, you know, hopefully, we can focus on the games instead of the coaches here. Uh, no, it's yeah. going to be exciting, Billy. Big one coming up this weekend with the Jets.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, that guy's going to be like a top five pick. Oh, <laughs> I mean,
1: man, bring bring me some Kyle Hamilton to put. I mean, if the Panthers are picking Chan, top
2: five. If the Panthers are picking top five. Then. With all due respect to Mr. Hamilton, I I hope they go in a different direction with the quarterback position. Um, But anyway. Might have to. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's uh, look at how this team kind of constructed their roster. We didn't have a – we didn't do a podcast after the cuts were made. And I think, uh, you know, just looking at it from a holistic point of view here, Jen, I think the big decisions came down to who they would keep at the backup quarterback. Uh, I think both of us did predict it would be – uh, PJ Walker. Uh, I, I did come to Will Greer's defense in some respects because I just feel like he shows up a little more in games than he does in practices. Uh, and I know coaches, they probably don't like that as much, especially if you're a backup or a third stringer, you really want to simulate, uh, the opposition. So they probably just felt that Walker, he's already knows the system. He knows the coaching staff. Uh, they went th- that direction and, um, that's kind of where, you know, you got to give credit to them, I guess. Uh, now, did they pick up I'm I'm looking through their practice squad. Now, I did I do believe they did pick up another quarterback, oh, James Morgan, who actually plays for the Jets. Yeah, um, get all of that, that that week one uh,
1: intel from, yeah. <laughs> from the opposition. That's what that feels like.
2: Um, but in all seriousness, uh w- were there any other moves that kind of stood out to you that they made? I mean, there it wasn't too shocking. They didn't really uh pull something kind of surprising, I guess.
1: No, I think it's one of those things where uh, you, every offseason you look for some of those moves to be made that end up, you know, scratching your head. And you're like, why? Why did this happen? But I, I thought, Billy, that the roster cuts were, were pretty cut and dry. You know, they, there were some guys that shined early in camp, like Omar Bayless, the wide receiver that didn't make the cut. And, you know, th- those things do happen. The practice squad is interesting. I, I'm looking at it now. Bayless did end up on the practice squad. I'm glad to see Spencer Brown. Also uh, made his way on there as well. A couple of practice squad guys I do like. In addition, Kenny Robinson, C.J. Saunders, uh, two very good players. And, of course, they've added uh, a very dynamic punt returner in Alec Erickson. Uh, Erickson, I, I think, has an opportunity here. And, and Matt Rule mentioned him as a possibility to return punts here week one in his press avail today. So I think it's something to, to look out for. But, no, in terms of what they've done in general – I'm not too surprised. I, I am scrolling through the roster right now, Billy. Um, just, you know, I, I don't know. I, there's been no official announcement from, from my perspective. Though, seen he's not. In and in they a, in a, see now John Miller's on the reserve COVID list, but he's been stripped from the depth chart. Um, and now Dennis Daly slides into the right guard position. So we'll get into that. I'm sure. I just wanted to make sure. Miller was still in the roster because uh, there was a lot of talk about cutting him right away after. No, no, no. Some some would suspect again, some would suspect that he is unvaccinated. Again, I I don't want to be irresponsible and assume that. But again, based on the protocols, you can read the tea leaves on on where they are right now on that situation. But no, in terms of who they cut, who they kept, I, I, I like what they did. I think they kept the guys who performed at a high level in camp. And uh, the guys that give them the best chance to win. I, I like the roster going into the season.
2: I one thousand um, percent agree with you in that in that respect. I do like the practice squad. I, I do think it's a little light uh, with offensive and defensive linemen, but I, I do like the skill players. I, I like Stephen Sullivan. Uh, you know, they had a center futures contract last January. I'm glad he's sticking around. Uh, same thing with yep. Rodney Smith and Spencer Brown. I thought Smith showed. Uh, quite a lot last year and uh, the limited reps he was able to get and again kenny robinson same thing. He's a a draft pick uh in matt rule's first uh draft and uh, it's just good to keep those guys here and again i really think that the nfl made the right move in expanding these practice squads because obviously yes uh, you want to be prepared for covid uh outbreaks situations that occur but at the same time it's also just good to keep you know a large not i don't want to defend keeping a large amount of players on team but it's Good to keep, you know, players who went through the entire offseason and training camp in your program. Uh, like I said, just in case situations occur, whether it's injury or COVID related. Uh, so credit to them. And again, yeah, Erickson is another one. I, I thought he was a pretty good uh, returner for the Bengals for a few years, and it's good to have him. I, I do, I do think he's a better option than uh, Hubbard. So we'll we'll see how that uh, kind of materializes throughout the the week. Uh, a couple waiver wire pickups that I want to bring to your attention here uh, they did pick up royce freeman which i thought was a very good one uh, we'll get to him in a second too. Uh, uh, michael jordan the guard not the basketball player the guard <laughs> that's
1: six foot six <laughs> at guard <laughs> well, you laugh you know, it,
2: michael jordan guard six foot six is his exact measurements from north
1: 315, carolina now <laughs> <the>
2: 315 difference <laughs> And he went to the yeah. Ohio State University. Uh, yeah. You know, Jordan is a, an interesting uh, kind of depth piece along the offensive line. Uh, he is on the active roster because he did pick him up on waivers. He has to go directly there. Uh, so, and uh, from what I was reading, uh, there were some reports that Jordan was in pretty high demand uh, as a waiver option. But because Carolina was, yeah. they had, I think they were picking seventh or eighth in the waiver wire. Uh, they had a priority in that respect. Uh, but let's let's focus on Jordan because I think this is going to be relevant to the discussion. What's with, with what happened today, and that's uh, that is John Miller, a pretty reliable veteran guard, the right guard who is going to miss uh, this game and potentially the next game because of COVID protocols. Uh, now, yeah, what Joe Person said, I believe it. He said ten days, so that would is that would uh, assume that he is not vaccinated. So I don't know. Uh, let's just leave that part aside. Yeah. I to roll with Dennis Daly as a starter, but just give me your impression. I mean, Daly is more of like a utility guy. He can play anywhere in the offensive line, but what do you think now of this offensive line? And they're kind of going to mixing and matching sort of this position. I know Deontay Brown was an option for them. Give me your kind of, you know, 10,000-foot view of this situation right now.
1: Yeah, it's hard because, you know, I, I we, we have talked so much, Billy, about the the problems Carolina appears to have in terms of pass protection on the interior side. I think we both agree that Cam Irving, and we may eat these words, but he's settled in a little bit at left tackle. I think the bigger concern would be Pat Elfline at left guard. Paradise has not looked very good lately in center. Although he's always available, and that's a critical part of this, is continuity. Uh, I, I just don't see him being a guy that can dominate week in and week out. He just hasn't shown it, and I think now that John Miller, who I think is the the best guard on the team in terms of the complete package, uh, you know Deontay Brown looks fantastic in, in terms of the preseason. But it's preseason; it's backups. I I think it 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 is concerning a little bit because now Daly steps into a position. He's a swing tackle that has played some guard. Uh, He obviously is a competent guard. I I do think you want to avoid if you can, and it might not be avoidable in a COVID situation. Even after the vaccinations, after what we've been through, you still have protocols to follow. And it may be a situation where he's been in close contact, presumably with that offensive line. And, And who knows where, (laughs) <laughs> that might lead. But I think that it's the best option they have right now with Daly. I, I know folks are clamoring to see Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen dive into that right guard spot right off the bat. I just don't think the team is comfortable with that quite yet. Now, now do I think that Deontay Brown could step in week one and, and do it? Sure, I think he could. But I think there's more to the position than just, you know, pulling and laying out defensive, uh, <laughs> defensive backs and, and putting up highlight real type blocks. You got to be consistent. You got to be good in terms of understanding line calls and having the you know the experience to manage that. I think their best bet right now is, and it's not a great bet, it's not a great situation, but to put Dennis Daly in there at right guard. But I, I am very concerned, Billy, about what Robert Sillaw can do. They have some horses on the inside portion of that defensive line, too. I think they can generate some pressure, and that does concern me with Sam Darnold's happy feet.
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, we've kind of pegged this offensive line all off season, So I'm going to give them the benefit out week one, week two, week three. But, uh, I mean, if they play how we expect them to play, which we don't have really high expectations right now, then, I mean, this is going to be a discussion point all year. Uh, let's transition quickly because I really like the pickup of Royce Freeman. I mean, this is a fantastic third down back. I mean, he, he is excellent at picking up, uh, in pass protection. I mean, not only does he have like the body type and he does a really good job of just you know coming in with the right technique. He identifies blitzes very well, which speaks to maybe his, um, you know, football IQ because he's identifying the blitzer. He's, you know, reading the. Uh, the line adjustments really well. I think that this is a, a very good pickup because they didn't really never had a guy like this uh for a while. I mean, McCaffrey has done some blitz pickup. He's not very good at it. He's okay at it. If you're looking for a weak spot in McCaffrey's game, I would say uh picking up, you know, in pass protection would probably be one. I mean, he's right. not like the worst in the league, but it's, just, it's a weakness, which yeah. um, I mean, you look at all the strengths, you'll take all the strengths over that one part, but Sure, uh, just to get my point, I mean, he's also a pretty decent runner between the tackles as well. I think he does it at Oregon. I remember him, uh, you know, they played, uh, you know, Mark Helfrich was their coach and they, they did a lot of, you know, the outside zone, which a lot of Chip Kelly influence. But, uh, you know, he, he can pass, he can catch the ball really well, which again was an issue with Hubbard still learning the position. So, uh, I really like this pickup because I think he can come in immediately and be the third down guy, and maybe get like 15 to 20 percent of those carries. Uh, If McCaffrey is like split out wide or if they're going with two backs on third down.
1: Yeah, six foot 238 is sort of in more ways than one, sort of a a poor man's version of Jonathan Stewart. Uh, Another Oregon, you know, great that came out and showed some promise early on and had a great career. Uh, Freeman, I think is a good opportunity to to get himself in, in a situation where he can be the, the number two guy, obviously Hubbard has some developmental issues to work on. He had the big run against the Colts. But again, those type of loaded box plays happen. And I wasn't overly impressed by his entire tape during the preseason. I think you and I agreed on that last week. And we also made the point, Billy, that, you know, and you drove this home, that Carolina needed to have another back in that room with some some veteran presence. And what you get with Freeman Look, I mean, you go back to 2019 uh, and 2018 combined, he had about 230 touches uh, as a running back for just under, actually just over 1,000 yards, which is pretty good action. Again, not a lot of per uh, carry attempt average there. I mean, you're right around the four mark. But he's a workhorse. He's five touchdowns uh, in 2018, three in 2019, And I think more importantly, he gives you another option down near the goal line. Again, McCaffrey can get skinny. He can do things. He's also got some muscle with him. He can pound that thing in from inside the three. But I think you need somebody like a Royce Freeman in those situations to to sort of give another look to what they want to do. He's also, to your point, a pretty good receiver at 43 catches in uh, 2019 and uh, did score a touchdown. Fumbles are not an issue with him. He's lost one career fumble. He's only fumbled it once in his career. That was his rookie season. So again, the ball security, size, the way he runs, the wide zone experience, which, you know, I think Joe Brady will run plenty of that this year with McCaffrey. I think it's a good scheme fit. I think it's a good physical fit for what they want to do in terms of you know short yardage. I like it a lot, and I think he'll creep into the the rotation there pretty soon. Now, I could eat those words. Hubbard might take off and become RB, two, But I always like having diversity with your backs. I like having one back that has a certain skill set and dynamic and then a second guy who can be your hammer. And I think they would be a good one-two mix. How much of that number two would play? (laughs) You know, McCaffrey's going to get a lot of touches, Billy. But utilization is important, too, there. How will they deploy him? Will they give him more looks outside in the slot at receiver? I think they should because he's probably the best drop runner on the team, arguably has the best hands on the team. So I think McCaffrey, if Joe Brady is wise to it, and I think Joe Brady is, uh, they'll start utilizing McCaffrey a little more in that role. And I think it's a good pickup with Freeman there. I like it.
2: Yeah. You just want some reliability. I mean, last season, they just interchange so many of these like backs like the Rodney Smith and uh, you know Mike Davis Perfect. he did pretty well. I, I think I think uh, Freeman is sort of similar in, to Davis in some respects. Just a reliable veteran who yep. knows what he's doing. And I think that's you don't have to spend a lot of money on that. You can just claim them off the waivers. Just uh,
1: quickly it can it can show you also and sorry to interrupt here That, 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 that when McCaffrey a player of that volume goes down it, it can really muck up your season. And yeah. that's why it's important for McCaffrey to stay healthy here. Because once you get into that situation, Royce Freeman or, or Hubbard is is not – neither either one are going to be a 90% volume guy. And then you're going to have to peek down the roster a little bit at lesser desirable options like they did last year with you know Rodney Smith, Trenton Cannon, good players, but obviously not guys you want featured in key roles there. So McCaffrey's health is really the key here to all of it.
2: Yeah, I, 1,000%. Again, I think that – you don't have to spend a lot of money on this position. I mean, we found Mike Davis for, like, the veteran minimum last year, and which yep. uh, they just picked up Freeman off waiver. So that just goes to show you that you can find running backs out there. You don't have to go out and spend a ton of money. Uh, I mean, this isn't taking shots on McCaffrey's contract or anything. I'm just saying that it's you can find talent out there, too really help your team. And again,
1: but you know, they uh, they need to get the most value out of that contract, though, and I think they need to utilize him in a little more diverse ways than they had oh. before. Norv didn't do that very well. I i, I love the Turners. trust me. I i nothing to respect for both Scott and Norv, but I did not like the way they utilize McCaffrey. and I think Brady, now with a full season ahead, hopefully with McCaffrey can do a little bit uh, more in terms of creativity and getting McCaffrey involved in the passing game.
2: Well, I agree with a lot of points. I'm not sure. I totally agree with your first point. I thought they did utilize him fine. I mean, he had, you know, a thousand, a thousand. So I, again, yeah, now sure. how much of that coming comes in garbage time, whatever, I don't know. Um, I'm, I w- I'm not too worried about what they did to him. What my concern now is just keep him healthy. That's that's that, that should be your number one priority. I don't really I think we should. I think from my perspective, I just want to make sure that they are singularly focus at one step at a time Uh, because again you did give him all that money he is essentially you know a big part of your running game and your passing game and let's just do number one job get him through weeks one two three four make sure he's healthy make sure they are not overworking him uh and then you kind of just you maybe elevate expectations after that i mean the expectations should still be high uh but i mean as far as like his workload is a concern Uh, sure so that uh, that settles the uh, running back position. Do you have any thoughts on them keeping four tight ends? I know it uh, it got a little bit of uh, this discussion on Twitter. I saw some people were a little uh, kind of just raise their eyebrows a little bit. They kept four tight yep. ends, and obviously they uh, decided to keep uh, Giovanni Ricci, who's going to be a I believe fullback for them. Uh, but yep, it's four tight ends, one fullback, five in one position seems. Uh, A little much. Uh, I'm not really too sure what they see in Colin Thompson. Um, I mean, he's a pretty big receiver. He can go up and get it. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the tight end uh, distribution of roster spots at that position is a little confusing to me, but maybe you see it differently.
1: Yeah. No, no, I think I, I agree with that. You know, the roster situation is always going to be fluid. I think Tremble, what you're going to see with him, I'm a little surprised the, the way they're deploying him. I think we talked in the, the preseason and even back during the offseason about Tremble possibly stepping into more of a, an H-back, fullback role, which he still will see plenty of H-back reps. Uh, but but he, he is trying – they're trying to develop him into the receiving – threat that he didn't have the opportunity to do with the low volume there uh, at Notre Dame. So that'll be interesting to watch. Colin Thompson is just a a guy. I I think he's going to try to be the man hurts type of, uh, you know, on and Trimble and and Thompson, both would, would seem to be poised to fill that man hurts role in terms of, you know, six man pass protection and also run blocking as well. That's what I look for there. Ian Thomas is a big question mark, Bill. You know, this is a big year for him. It's the fourth season. Can he start to get the touches that – I mean, he's open. That There are times where he's open. It's not necessarily that he's not running good routes and doing things the right way. It's just the, the, the flow of the offense last year with Bridgewater and the abundance of receivers, including Curtis Samuel, limited his abilities. And I think Dan Arnold, he's got wide receiver traits. You know, it's 6'6", 240. He was at 220 at one point, now listed at 240. I think he's a, just a typical move tight end who will be all over the field. Very little inline line blocking responsibilities. So, again, I think when you look at tight ends, you've got four there, plus Ricci, who has officially been moved to fullback on the roster, now wearing number 40. He's going to be the hammer, you know, up front in 21-22 personnel. Gets back to our conversation. Again, I talk about Greg Cosell a lot, but we had this conversation with him last summer, and he talked about, you know, his his – you know, relationship with Matt rule and knowing Matt wants to be a run first type of guy. He wants to pound the rock. He is an old school type of guy at heart. And I think Joe Brady's influence with Sean Payton is the same, you know, the the saints are one of the more proficient running teams in the league. So I think you're going to have to have, you know, 12, 21, 22 personnel options there to be able to man up and get things done and move it, especially with the offensive line being a little bit of a question mark. So I'm not shocked by it. But, again, the roster's fluid. You never know. One of these guys like Thompson might fall off at some point. I think they have a high investment in Tremble. I'd be shocked if he leaves the roster. Uh, Ian Thomas, I think they're just going to try to do what they can to use him in line and also move him around a little bit. And Dan Arnold, once again, I'd be surprised to see him more than, you know, a few times a game lined up in line. I think he's going to be, you know, sort of a Dallas Clark type out in the slot sometimes out wide and he's got the athletic ability to make plays especially in the red zone
2: yeah i mean it is interesting because um i mean i get your i I totally get your points about them trying to you know establish a run and be a running football team all fair points i would just rather if that's the case then i would rather add more offensive one more offensive lineman over another tight end yeah, that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, that's <laughs> obviously, that's, uh, that's obviously just my opinion. I'm uh, no expert. I mean, they, maybe they see something in these guys that I don't. I, I will say that Thomas and Arnold aren't exactly the best blockers in the world. Nope. Uh, so maybe they're trying to compensate it by having uh, Thompson and uh, Trumbull. I mean, Trumbull's is obviously a really good blocker. We saw that at Notre Dame. Uh, but Thompson, I really haven't seen him show his blocking skill. I mean, I haven't just – it's nothing – it's not a weakness or anything. I just haven't really seen him do it.
1: Ian's he improved a little bit in that department, but it's still, he's he's not anywhere near the elite status in terms of inline blocking.
2: Yeah, uh, so fair sure enough uh, with that respect. Now let's uh, get to a bigger point about how we see the 2021 team going. John, the win total currently at most uh, sports books is at seven and a half for this team. Uh, today I was reading an article. Uh, I was uh, ESPN did a simulation with their Uh, Some of their writers and their analytics guys, they have the Panthers going five and 12 and picking number one overall in the draft, which I mean, five wins would be pretty much the same as they won last year, but picking number one overall would be quite the, uh, quite the shock, but uh, you never know. So knowing those two seven and a half wins for this team, current uh, sports folks, that's what they say. I'll give you my kind of take on that in one second, but I want to hear your side. Would you take the over or under uh, for this team? going into 2021?
1: I'm taking the over on it, Bill. And I, I'm going into this with, with the caveat that, that health will be relatively uh, good for them. And again, that that's not something that's guaranteed in this league. Carolina obviously has had their problems with injuries. But if they stay healthy, and again, you just don't know because of these, these under-over you know, props early in the season. So many things can happen. It's a division with a lot of question marks right now. Tampa, we know, is loaded. I have no doubt that they'll win the division unless something catastrophic happens. Atlanta, I think, is a little underrated, Billy. I I, I do think that they have, and we'll get into the NFC South So you know, in a total perspective here, I'm sure, down the road. But I do think Atlanta is a little bit underrated. I do like the addition of Mike Davis. I think Matt Ryan's still a very good quarterback. Calvin Ridley can do some things. They drafted Kyle Pitts. And I think Dean Pease is a great addition as a defensive coordinator. He's already dialing some things up in the preseason that compensates for their lack of pass rush. They're going to be aggressive. Uh, Might not be a fun defense to play against if you have an offensive line like Carolina in a little bit of transition with some injuries and some guys that just quite aren't elite. Uh, I, I do think they're going to be tickling around eight or nine wins. I, I That's my expectation. That that should be the expectation. Can they reach that plateau? I don't know. The schedule to me doesn't look that overwhelming. I mean, they, the first quarter of the season, you're looking at uh, week one opponent against the Jets. Who I, I feel like they, they should win handily in that game. I, I really do. And then you end up with the Texans, one of the the least talented rosters in the league right now. A lot of turmoil down there. They're going to be able to stop the run. That's what Houston's going to do nonstop is try to pound the rock. Dallas is on that early season slate. Of course, the second week game is going to be the New Orleans Saints. Uh, You can never count a Sean Payton team out in any game. And I certainly wouldn't think that's a light uh, game for Carolina at all. In fact, I think they'll probably lose that game. But uh, a lot of question marks still about how will they progress with a new quarterback with Jameis Winston. Still some question marks about Mike Thomas. There, there are some question marks about that team in terms of some of the guys they've lost. They're playing a lot of new guys, Billy, so continuity is important. If Carolina can get out of the box, you know, with a 3-1 and one record, and I think it's not inconceivable that they do. If they can maybe get three out of four wins early quarter, that's good. That gets them in a position where the momentum is going forward. They can start to feel a little more positive about competing within the division and within the conference. The NFC is not very strong. I still think they're, they're hovering maybe eight wins, maybe nine. That, that, that's where I'm at preseason right now with it. The, the Matt Rule era needs to start to churn that way. Another five-win season, another top five, top eight pick. Is not where they need to be right now. They, they 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 with the talent they have on the roster now. They've added some pieces defensively. I like what they've done in the front part of the line. There, they've also got some good options in the secondary now. With Chin, with J.C. Horn, their high investment in the draft. Dante Jackson, if he's healthy, I think can have a really good season with Horn taking some of that pressure off. So yeah, I'm leaning more on that eight-win range right now. But, man, it's a week-to-week thing, buddy. I, with with COVID still looming, with, with with the COVID protocols, with injuries that pop up, with this offensive line being in question, with Sam Darnold being a big question mark, I just don't know. But I, I don't think they'll – I just think five wins is a little light for them. I think they'll be closer to seven, eight, nine wins. Well,
2: I think seven <coughs> – excuse me, I think seven and a half. Is a perfect number, and the reason why I say that is I'm just going through the schedule right now, like you did. I'm going to assume that they get swept by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because both those games are in December and January, and the Bucks are probably yeah. going to be firing on all cylinders, uh, competing for playoff, uh, you know, division title, maybe and even even uh, potentially home field. Uh, but I will say that they will split against the Saints and the Falcons. That's two wins right there. I'll, um, you know, just for argument's sake, I'll say that they beat the Jets and the Texans. That's four wins. I'll say that they. Uh, between they have a home stand here between the Eagles and Vikings. I'll say they win one of those um, go split those. So that's five wins. Again, I'm trying to be a little conservative. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say they go on the road and beat the giants. That's six wins. Uh, between this uh, three game stand between the Patriots Cardinals and the Washington football team. Uh, I would say they probably win. I mean, the Cardinals is going to be on the road, so that's going to be a little tougher. Uh, Patriots yeah, be really well coached. Same thing with Washington, I'll say they win one of those. So that's seven right now. And then you have games like my, at Miami, which, I mean, they're fantastic. I think they're one of the better rosters. It's just going to come down to the quarterback. in uh, Buffalo, I mean, I don't really expect them to win that, especially because the game is, you know, in Orchard Park in late December. I don't really know how this team is going to be.
1: Yeah, that feels like one of those yeah. games that I mean, and could, and Buffalo could is be a tough one for Carolina.
2: Yeah, one of the best teams in the NFL. So I'll, I think seven to eight is the right range. So I think Vegas hit it right on the nail with seven and a half. Uh, and it, like you said, it, it is a week-to-week thing. Who knows what the quarterback situations are going to be like You know, for each of these teams. There could be injuries that pop up. I mean, Carolina could have injuries too. So sure. I think the assumption here uh, that I'm operating in and that Vegas is operating in is that teams are relatively healthy. So I thought seven and a half was. A yeah, I just think. One.
1: I think it's really critical. And again, the quarterback position tends to be a little bit overvalued by some. But I think in this situation, Sam's comfort level is really important early in the season, Billy. I mean, he's going against the Jets. Obviously, I don't know if that game's in his head or not. He seems like a pretty cool customer. But again, I think Robert Salah can scheme some things up and create some problems for him and limit the ability to push the ball downfield which is why McCaffrey's role is critical here to sort of ease that and get the box pushed back a little bit. Uh, I, I do, or creep the box up a little bit rather and, and create some better opportunities in one-on-one matchups. I just, I respect Robert Roberts a lot, a lot, and I'm not sleeping on that game whatsoever. But I, I do think they have some winnable games on that schedule from where we sit right now. I do think it, it really is just Sam Darnold. I mean, if they keep him comfortable, and his mechanics continue to improve, especially below the legs there with the footwork, that's the key for him. He's got to get some early season stuff going. So Mojo hit a few deep shots. Again, one of the things we talked about is the red zone production. One thing the Saints have always been great at, I keep going back to them because Sean Payton, Joe Brady, there was some influence there. They hit the scene so well in the red zone, and they're still doing it. Once they get in that red area and even inside the thirty. They attack the seams. I think a guy like Dan Arnold gives them a chance to, to be more fluent there. And I, I think Terrace Marshall as well. Preseason, you just never know. We've seen this before. Guys come out of shine early in the preseason, and they sort of stumble, hit the rookie wall. I, I think Terrace might be a cut above that. I really like his production. I like his tape. I think he's got a chance to be a guy in the red zone that can really help them out. But, again, it's early season. I I just think when you look back at Carolina historically, their best seasons are when they can get off on, uh, you know, and this is true for any team. Going back to the 2013 season, that might be the exception where they started slow and then hit their stride. This team in particular, if they can start with, you know, maybe a three out of four. In that first quarter, because I I break the season up into quarter chunks now. It's 17 games, so it's a little uneven. But I think that first four games is critical for Carolina, one at a time, of course. But there's some winnable games on that schedule. I know Philadelphia is rebuilding. They've got some question marks. You mentioned Miami. They're very good. I don't think they win that game. Buffalo might be the best team in the league right now, Billy, other than Tampa. I really feel that way. They are so stacked across the board. and Josh Allen hitting his stride. They're well coached. Uh, But, yeah, in the division – As you mentioned, I I think in December, unless they're injury riddled, Tampa takes two from Carolina. Atlanta, to me, I think is a little underrated. I think they might be a little bit better in some ways than New Orleans in terms of what they present. And I think New Orleans, again, they have question marks on the exterior in terms of their coverage. They have some problems there in terms of uh, you know, right now they're, they're dealing with some situations. And, it, it, you know, obviously life is bigger than football, but the hurricane that struck down there, they're having to practice a little bit out of structure right now in Texas. That can throw you off a little bit. But, again, it's all about getting – Early action wins for Carolina. If they can build some momentum coming into the quarter, uh, the second quarter of the season, I think they've got a chance to, to put together a competitive run. The big thing is, I, I would love to see this team. And this is what, you know, Paul Brown years ago said this, the old coach for the uh, the Browns and Bengals had mentioned, you know, if you can get into December after Thanksgiving, Belichick's mentioned this too, cross the Thanksgiving threshold and, and be in the conversation for a playoff berth and be competitive. That's where I want to see them right now. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I doubt they will. But get yourself in that conversation where you're playing games in December that, unlike that Washington game last year, which frustrated a lot of folks, that that was not a very competitive game. Very sloppy game. Wayne Haskins, It was, and and, and Matt Rule is very proud of that win, and, and hats off to him. I I think they're going to have some meaningful games in December against some elite opponents. And if they can get into December around 500, which they could have last year, not for a few bugaboos there. Chiefs game was close. The the Vikings game, obviously they let that one slip away. A couple wins away from there from being in that conversation for a wild card. So again, that's my expectation for this team. Get to December, be in the conversation, have a fighting chance to sneak in as a wild card because they, made their draft picks they are where they are with the draft i'm not worried about jockeying for draft position anymore it's year two you know teams typically in year two start to find their stride if they're well coached that's what i'm looking for
2: uh i, I would just say one thing to that I, I totally get where you're coming from and for the most part i do agree the only thing i'm trying to say here is that they were given obviously a long-term contract and they were this is expected to be a rebuild i understand that the, some of the moves that they've made have justified uh, winning now. I do, I, I don't want to, here, here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see, um, you know, se- six, seven wins where it's all just by one possession or something. Like if you're barely yes. beating the Texans and the Jets, uh, that's not good. I would rather see, you know, six to seven wins where you're pummeling the Jets and the Texans. And yep. you're competitive. Maybe you lose the games against the Eagles or the Vikings, but you're really competitive in those games, similar to what we saw last yeah. year. I, I agree. My whole thing is, again, I, I don't want to put on un- ber- I I just, my expectations are, I guess, are a little different just because of the timeline that I see uh, them competing by year three as opposed to this year. And again, I totally understand your point and others if they demand, if they're demanding, uh, you know, wins and playoff birds at this stage, I do see a little differently. Uh, that's why I, I currently see seven and 10 as a pretty acceptable uh, position for them. And again, I, I want to make sure that they see, I just want to see growth offensively and defensively. Defensively, yeah. they were, yeah. you know, somewhere in the 20s. If you look at whatever metric you want to look at, it, I want to see that come down uh, to be around 13 or 14. You put a lot of investment at that in that unit. So that should be, Uh, better. I want to see special teams continue to be like maybe top 10 or top five even. And I want to see offense go from, you know, they were in the low twenties or somewhere in the twenties to being potentially competent. And again, it's going to come down to the quarterback. So I think it's more just a gradual process. And again, seven to 10 is probably not going to be great for their longer term outlook just because uh, you're still not going to have a definitive answer on the quarterback position. But I do think it would show growth from year one to year two. You, you mentioned point how they win these games. What, what,
1: what can they do against teams that are obviously inferior from a roster perspective? You don't want to see any close battles here. You want to see some of these games, you know, 31-20, you know, 34-20. This is where they need to be with teams against the Jets, teams like the Texans. They need to be handily winning these games. And even against more competitive teams like Philadelphia, Minnesota, they have a lot of question marks as well. I don't think they're as well-rounded as we might think. They're, they're loaded with Jefferson and Cook. and Can Cousins stay off the COVID list? We'll see. But I, I do think that they have to show the ability to, to, um, to, to, to create some distance against some teams that are a little less talented and, and maybe have a little less experience. And, again, Carolina is one of the younger teams in the league. The coaching staff is still very raw. But it's a big season in terms of showing two things, I think. Number one, the red zone offense. Produce. Take your shots up the seam. Be aggressive. You're going to get turnovers. That's fine. But at least show a little more competency in terms of hitting the seams. And defensively, the third down defense must improve. I love what they've done with the pass rushing unit. I like what they've done with J.C. Horn. Dante Jackson's healthy. Jeremy Chen is a beast. Uh, linebacker core still a little thin, but I like the front line guys. But again, you got to improve those two areas. That's a key thing to look out for.
2: So yeah, I totally agree with you there, John. I, I think you definitely bring up some valid points. And again, it's for me, it's all just all about growth, and I, I, I want to make sure that they see that growth. I understand there's going to be some tension and uh, there's going to be some tribulations. That's 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 just how it is in the National Football League. No team is perfect. The Bucks last year, I mean, they were at seven and five until they won four straight and they swept through the playoffs. Each team is going to go through trials and tribulations. So it's how you, how do you respond to those, um, you know, turbulent times that are going to eventually come up? Nothing's ever just going to flow seamlessly. Just never. I mean, even the best teams uh, in this, I mean, 2015, everything was, you know, I mean, they had Lou Keekly on the concussion protocol leak week one. I mean, they had to go through quite a lot of, uh, changes that season. So for me, I just want to see growth. I want to see them improve in certain aspects. Like I said, I want to see them you know, get better and just coaching, obviously same thing, red zone defense, third down special teams. Hopefully we find a kicker that's consistent. Uh, and that's just all about seeing how this team goes through. Uh, and that's just going to be kind of just my point of view on all of it. Uh, but I just want to say, John, thanks again for doing this. Uh, it's been a pleasure, uh, Mm -hmm. enter year two, it's year two of this podcast, uh, looking forward to it, really excited to really get into it and just see how this team under Matt rule develops. Um, and for all of all, for all, all of our listeners, we will have a podcast, uh, previewing the jets with a special guest, uh, from that perspective this week. Uh, so stay tuned for that. John, do you have any final parting words for today?
1: Other than what we've talked about, excited to get this season rolling. Two podcasts a week for you guys. uh, And looking forward to Billy's conversation later in the week with a Jets guest who will give us some insight from uh, behind enemy lines there. Looking forward to it, my friend.
2: All right. Thank you again for everyone for listening. Please make sure you subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your week.